Welcome back, Missio family. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh talk about how we can't live the kingdom life without the Holy Spirit. We must be born of the Spirit, and that changes everything. If you have any questions about Missio, you'd like to join a missional community, or you have any prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. Summer's about over. Do you guys realize that? Like, it's kind of setting in, isn't it? Uh, not to be a downer today, but uh, <laughs> seasons are changing. Um, so this past week, I was in Alaska, got to go and experience a trip of a lifetime. And so um, if you saw any of my so- social media feed, I feel a little bit bad for posting those photos, but not really. Um, came back with 50 pounds of seafood, and so my wife is not a big seafood person, so we're trying to figure out how to cook the fish what to do with it all. So if you have any good recipes, share them with me. Maybe you want to come over and have a meal with us. Um, but just really a great time. And, and I was able to go and spend uh, the better part of a week with a ministry called Refresh Soul. And so it was a group of pastors that we spent time fishing, having some fun, but also just pausing and recharging spiritually. So, so grateful to be able to have done that and to be with you today. So we're finishing up our series. We've been in this series now for a while. This is the eighth week of our Kingdom Life series. And so um, the whole point of this was to look at what did Jesus say about the kingdom? Jesus came on the scene and he taught. And he mentioned the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven a lot. Used those terms interchangeably because they meant the same thing. He actually mentioned the kingdom of God 126 times in the four gospels. So Jesus had a lot to say about the kingdom. It was important. And so that's been the point of this series is to say, okay, Jesus, what's this kingdom that you're talking about and how does it impact us today? See, Jesus' invitation to the people that he taught 2,000 years ago was to live life in his kingdom. And that's the same invitation that we have 2,000 years later. And so Jesus taught on those hillsides and his invitation was to, hey, be a part of my kingdom But people often didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. See, the thing is, many people in our world today have had experiences with the church. They've maybe grown up in church. Uh, They call it a a Buick. You know what a Buick is? Brought up in church kid. And so you went all to to all the stuff. You did the camps. You did the VBS. You did uh, Wednesday night, maybe Sunday morning, Sunday school. and, And maybe that was your experience. You were brought up in church and just experienced a lot of stuff thing is, though, just being a part of all that doesn't guarantee that you're living life in the kingdom. It doesn't, uh, it just means that you probably have a lot of knowledge about God, maybe some cool experiences along the way. Or maybe you're here and you're, you're like, I didn't really grow up in the church. I'm just now at this point in my life, I'm exploring the teachings of Jesus. Like, it seems like he's a big deal. He's got some cool things to say. And so maybe at this point in your life, you're just really trying to see what is the kingdom all about? Why did Jesus come? Why is he such a big deal? And so no matter what place of origin you started, we all end up at a bit of a crossroads. We all end up at a place where we have to decide what are we going to do with Jesus? What are we going to do with his teachings? And so there's a man in the Bible named Nicodemus who had been around a lot of religion. He was a very religious guy, but he didn't fully grasp what the kingdom was about until he met with Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be talking about um, Nicodemus, this man, and his interaction with Jesus. And so if you have a Bible, we're going to go to John chapter 3. 
And we're going to read the, starting in verse 1. So you can flip there or open your app on your phone or just follow along on the screen if you'd like. So John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So let's talk about Nicodemus. Who's Nicodemus? Nicodemus was a religious leader. He was a Pharisee. He was a, a member of the Sanhedrin. And so Nicodemus was kind of a big deal. He had some clout. He was important. And the Sanhedrin was, uh, they were able to kind of govern themselves, the Jewish people. They were under the Romans. The Romans were in charge and, but they gave the Sanhedrin like, the, the power to um, you know, handle disputes and deal with people and things like that. The only thing was the Sanhedrin couldn't execute. So when Jesus was crucified, they, the Sanhedrin had to ask Pilate to pull the trigger, basically. Like, they, couldn't, they didn't have that kind of authority, but they had some authority. And so Nicodemus was a, a member of the Pharisees. He was a teacher of the law. His job was to know the law, and to make sure that the people of Israel were following it. So he was a somebody. He had influence. And so Nicodemus was meeting with Jesus at night, and we don't really know why. I mean, I think I have my own opinion of why it was at night. Some people think it was because Nicodemus didn't want to be seen with Jesus, that maybe he didn't want his other buddies down at the Sanhedrin to know that he was you know, spending time asking Jesus questions. Maybe Jesus just had a busy schedule. Maybe they were all booked up that week and they could only grab coffee late at night. I don't know. I mean, speculating. I, th I tend to think it's because Nicodemus didn't want to be seen with Jesus. He wanted to kind of fly under the radar. But there's really only two mentions of Nicodemus in Scripture. This story, him meeting with Jesus, and then also after Jesus was crucified and his body was being taken down, Joseph of Arimathea went to, to take care of Jesus' body, and Nicodemus is mentioned there in John chapter 19. So we don't know much about Nicodemus other than from this story. And so Nicodemus came to Jesus for a reason. 
Nicodemus had a need. And so I love this, and I've mentioned this before, that Jesus has a way of teaching. And you'll see this if you read throughout the Gospels. He often asks people, what do you want? Or what do you need? And what really what Jesus is doing is he's getting to the thing behind the thing. Like, okay, you're here. You want me to heal you. But what do you really want? What's, what's really your heart's desire? And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and he has a need. And Jesus helps him to figure out what it is. And so he starts talking to him, um, and really, uh, this, this idea of asking questions, God did this in the very beginning. If you think all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, when God had Adam and Eve in the garden, and Adam sinned against God, what did he say to him? He said, where are you? It wasn't that God didn't know where Adam was, he was giving him a chance to locate himself. He's saying, Adam, do you know what's just happened? Do you know what you've just done? And so God has a way of asking us questions to help us locate ourselves in relationship to him. And Jesus did the same thing. He'd ask people, where are you? What do you need? What do you want? See, Nicodemus came to Jesus because he had questions. He knew that Jesus was special. He's like, hey, Jesus, we know that nobody can do these miracles that you do unless God is with him. Uh, We know that your teachings are kind of out of the box and you teach with authority. So Nicodemus had paid attention. He noticed that Jesus had something special and he started to wonder, "Hmm, maybe, maybe there's more. Maybe what I've been doing, living this life of law as a Pharisee, it's been okay, but maybe Jesus, maybe God's doing something through Jesus. And so Nicodemus was a religious expert. He had been all around all of the spiritual things and, and he was, that was his job, was to teach the law and to keep the law. But as he thought about the kingdom, you know, Jesus is this king of this kingdom, the spiritual kingdom. If anybody was gonna be in, it was gonna be Nicodemus, right? He's a Jew. He's a leader of the Jews. He's a teacher of the law. He had credentials. If anybody was gonna be in the kingdom, it was gonna be Nicodemus. But Jesus said, no, Nicodemus, you have a need. And Jesus tells him what his need is. He says, you need to be born again. You need a spiritual birth, Nicodemus. It's not about your pedigree. It's not about your track record. You need to be born again. So what, is, what in the world does that mean, being born again? I mean, we know where babies come from. And, you know, like, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But Nicodemus really struggled with this, being born again. Like, Jesus, what are you talking about? But Jesus is talking about a spiritual kingdom. People often thought this was an earthly kingdom. It was something we can see with our eyes. And Jesus says, no, no, no. This is a spiritual kingdom that dwells in the hearts of people. So Jesus knew that Nicodemus needed help. Nicodemus kind of knew that he needed some help. And so he shows up late at night to ask Jesus about the kingdom. See, this life of religion wasn't really working for Nicodemus. If he was happy living his life, he wouldn't have been meeting with Jesus late at night. And there were a lot of other Pharisees who never came to meet with Jesus to ask these questions. And so there was something special about Nicodemus, something that was going on in his heart that caused him to pay attention, to question. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus and asks him about the kingdom. Could he be the promised Messiah? Could he be the one that they had been waiting for? See, Nicodemus had a longing deep inside of his heart that religion couldn't fill. 
And see, that's the thing. A lot of people try to fill that space in their heart with religion. They try to pack things about God and and all these activities that really don't get to the core of who a person is. See, religion promises to give life, but it never does. It's never enough. It ends up demanding our lives. The more religious we become, the more it demands of us. And when have we ever done enough? When have you ever been religious enough if we're trying to earn our own righteousness and be religious? When have we kept all the rules? Nicodemus couldn't keep all the rules. I can't keep all the rules. I don't know about you. Anybody here good at keeping all the rules? See, religion promises things that it can't deliver. And so maybe you can relate a little bit to Nicodemus in this way. Uh, The world's filled with religious people. I know some very religious people who are very far from God. They, They do all the things and they know the right stuff and they have some knowledge, but they don't have a relationship. Their heart does not connect with God's heart. And that is a very sad thing to me. Because that's why Jesus came in the first place. He said, I want a relationship with you. I just want to give you more rules to follow. He said, I want a relationship with you that starts now and extends into eternity. I want, to, I want you to experience my love and my joy and my peace and all the good stuff now and for eternity. That's what, that's what Jesus came for. But the religious life just doesn't work. You don't have peace in your soul because of religion. And maybe you're here today and you, you don't see yourself as a religious person. You're just like, I'm just not really sure what to do with Jesus. I'm just kind of checking it out. I'm just, you know, maybe finding out some things about him. But the reality is, whether you're very religious or not religious, the reality is that we all have need. Just like Nicodemus, we all have a spiritual need, right? The problem is we don't always like to admit that we have need. When I first started in ministries back in 2007, and I got hired at a church as a worship pastor, and one of the things we, we, we got to do, once a year we'd go to a conference. This was my first year in ministry, and so I got to go to Austin, Texas for the National Worship Leader Conference. I was just so pumped to go. And I brought my wife Casey with, and, and so we went, went on this trip. And you got to remember, 2007 was pre-Google like Google Maps, um, Apple Maps on your phone. I mean, we had smartphones, but it just hadn't really caught up. You guys remember this? Like you had either like the Garmin or the TomTom dash-mounted unit, or you'd print out on MapQuest, like turn left at this you know, street, and you'd have the step-by-step, and you'd print that out, and you'd have a book you know, that you'd go with. And so I didn't do any of that, by the way. I just got on the plane and left. And so we roll into Austin. It's like 3 a.m. Our flight was delayed because, you know, flying out of North Dakota in the winter is always a challenge. So we we flew down to Austin, and I get to the rental car counter, and they um, had an option where you could rent a GPS unit for $8. And I declined. I don't need that. Because they had maps on the counter, and it was about the size of a napkin map of Austin, Texas. Now, if you've been to Austin, it's not a small town. And I'd never been there, and it's middle of the night. So I'm pretty confident. I've got my map, my napkin map, and we get in the car, and we take off. We're driving. And the next hour was filled with fighting, crying, uh, me asking Casey, where do we turn? And her, I don't know. I can't see anything on this map. It's stupid. And, you know, and just the whole thing. It was just an awful experience. She said, you need to pull over and get help. I said, no. No, I don't. I got this. I know where I'm going. I had no idea where I was going. And finally, after about an hour, we pull into a gas station. She goes in, asks for help. 
The guy kind of told us where to get back on this highway, and we got a map. We got like one of those maps that unfold like, you know, 30 times, and it's like as big as the whole front seat of just Austin, which was way more helpful than the napkin map. So we find our hotel. It's like 5 a.m. by the time we get there. We're just exhausted. And I learned something about myself that night. I don't like to ask for help. Anybody else in that boat? I got this. I'm good. I'll figure it out. The problem is that if we don't admit that we need help, we can't be helped. And this doesn't just go for driving. This goes for our souls. If we think we're okay, we can't be helped. Jesus said, uh, he said this in, uh, let me see here, Mark 2.17, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus is saying, if you don't know you're sick, I can't heal you. I can't help you. But if you know you're sick, now we can get somewhere. If you can admit that you need help, now we're getting somewhere. See, our souls are lost without Jesus. We're, we're dead, the Bible says. We're, we, we need help, just like Nicodemus. See, Jesus knew that Nicodemus needed help. He needed a spiritual birth. He needed a new start. He needed a new heart. Jesus says, I'm going to meet you, Nicodemus, where you're at, and you're going to have to be born again, born spiritually. See, when sin first entered the, the scene back in Genesis 3, it was a problem. There were consequences. Adam and Eve had to leave the garden. They couldn't stay in God's presence anymore because they had sinned. And sin has been a problem ever since. We know this. It's called the fall, the fall of mankind, where sin was introduced into the picture and has affected every human being. Every person since then is a sinner, besides Jesus. Like, we don't have to, anybody here have to teach your kids how to sin? Anybody had to give them that lesson of how to be selfish or how to disobey mom and dad? No, are you kidding me? Like, our kids know how to sin. It comes pretty easy. Pretty natural, because we have a sinful nature. We've inherited that from our great, 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 great grandpa and grandma, Adam and Eve. Thanks, guys. But that's the reality. See, Nicodemus needed to move from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive, to move from death to life. John 5, 25, Jesus said, I say to you, an hour is coming And is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. So in order to enter the kingdom of God, we have to be born again. It's a matter of, hey, I'm spiritually dead without Jesus. I hear his words. I understand. I trust in him. He says, you're going to have a spiritual birth. You're going to come alive. And the Holy Spirit of God is going to dwell in you and give you a new heart. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he mentions water and the Spirit. What does that mean? Now, Jesus says, What's born of flesh is flesh, and what's born of spirit is spirit. It says, You're born physically, like, you know, there's water and breaking of water and. I don't need to get into all that, you know, this morning, but we're born of the flesh. Like, we have a physical birth. Jesus said, that's not enough to get into the kingdom of heaven. You need a spiritual birth, a new heart. And you can also, you know, look at this a little bit and maybe see some, some ties to baptism. This doesn't mean that we need to be baptized to be saved. Jesus isn't saying that. 
There's tons of other scripture that we could go to, uh, to, to prove that point. But Nicodemus would have understand a ritual cleansing. As a Jew, they had to cleanse. They had to go cleanse themselves in a mikvah. It was a pool that we would wade down into it, a little swimming pool thing, and they would cleanse themselves. And so he understood this uh, being born of the water, but then being born of the Spirit. That's interesting. There's also a reference here I want to I share with you, Ezekiel 36. This is pretty cool. It says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So God gives a new heart. When we're spiritually born, we're born again, God gives us a new heart, a heart that wants to obey, a heart that has different values, a heart that says, Jesus, I want you to be my king. I want you to rule and reign in me. That's where the kingdom of God dwells, in the hearts of people. It's not some you know, thing that we can see, hey, it's over there, it's over. Jesus said, no, it's invisible. It dwells in the hearts of people when they say, Jesus is my king. He rules and reigns in here. So Jesus was telling Nicodemus, you have to move from death to life. You need a spiritual birth. See, Jesus used things that were physical to convey a spiritual birth. Like when he was at the Last Supper with his disciples and he said, this is my body. He had a loaf of bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood, which was really, you know, wine. It wasn't actual blood. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, be a cannibal. You know, eat people and drink their blood. Like, that's super weird. Like, that wasn't what Jesus was saying. But he's saying, this is something physical that you understand. You eat and you drink. And it's a spiritual truth, a spiritual reality. My body's broken for you. My blood is spilled, poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. So again, a physical thing conveying a spiritual reality. I want to pause here for two questions of discussion. Um, And so... The first question is this, why is it hard for some people to understand the concept of being born again? Why do you think that's a hard concept for people to understand? What do you guys think? I think it's because you don't physically see somebody being born again. Like it's a spiritual thing, it's not something you can see with your eyes, they're not physically, it says they're not physically being born again. So you're saying because it's not a physical thing, it's hard for people, people can't see it, it's hard to perceive. Like when a baby's born, you guys seen a baby, you know, like, oh, there's a baby, now it's here, right? That spiritual birth isn't quite as evident, I think that's what you're trying to say, Austin. What were you, what were you saying up here? Dying of self. Dying of self? Yeah, it's a little harder to perceive. It's subtle. Yeah. What else? Recognize Yeah, so if you don't know you're spiritually dead, then you don't know you need to be alive. It's like that scripture, like Jesus said, you need a doctor, which Bruce is a doctor. So there you go. (laughs) How about the second question? How do you know that God has given you a new heart? If he's going to give us a new heart, he says, Ezekiel says he's going to take away your stony, stubborn heart, and he's going to give you a heart that's tender. How do you know that God has given you a new heart? 
What do you think? Because everything changes? How so? More patient, more loving, more empathetic. You become a new person. Yeah, what we value changes, maybe. The Spirit tells us what is offensive to God, yeah. You have love for people you've never had before. Yeah. Love for people that we've never had love for before. It's pretty awesome. It is a new birth, right? Being born again. So Jesus' invitation to Nicodemus and to all of us is life in the kingdom. That's what he says. Hey, come live in my kingdom. It's here now and it's going to extend on into eternity. It's the already and the not yet. Jesus talked about that. He says, the kingdom of God is among you. It's here. It's in your midst. But it's also going to be realized when Jesus returns and we see it in its fullness. We see Jesus with our eyes. So there's that already not yet tension. So being born again doesn't mean that we just kind of clean up our lives and we stop sinning less and, you know, just try harder to be a better person, like self-help type of stuff. Jesus actually pushed hard against that. He told the Pharisees, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You're all cleaned up on the outside, but on the inside, you're dead. You're spiritually dead. So Jesus wasn't about behavior modification. He was about transformation of the heart that leads to change of behavior. See the difference there? Totally different. Jesus wants us to live life in the Spirit, giving us a new heart, again, with God, with Jesus as our King, ruling and reigning in us. It it changes everything, and it will change our behavior, but it's not just because we're white-knuckling it, trying to be better people, right? Verse 8 of our text speaks of the Spirit, and it says, "...the wind blows where it wishes." And you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so what Jesus is saying here is that people who have the Spirit of God dwelling in them, they have the power of God, they have the power of the Spirit, they're operating with Him, and it's mysterious. There's something mysterious about the Spirit of God dwelling in the heart of a person. I don't fully understand it, do you? But He's saying it's like the wind. You you hear it sound, and you feel it, but you don't really know where it comes from or where it's going. Can can anybody see air? Can you grab some air and just hold it and look at it? No. But we feel wind. I mean, come on, we live in North Dakota, right? Anybody feel wind? Some days we're like, ah, the wind, you know, we just hate it. But, But we feel it. It affects us. It is a force to be reckoned with. And that's what Jesus was saying is that when you have the Spirit inside of you, It makes a difference. It changes things. Basically, a person with the Spirit of God living within them, their life is a witness to an unseen reality, kind of what Austin mentioned earlier. Can't really see it, but something's different. Something's moving. The Spirit of God is dwelling in a person. You can't always quite put your finger on it. It's like the wind. There's a a mystery to it, an unseen reality. So Jesus used the the wind illustration um, I know we have a meteorologist in the house, and he'd probably tell us all the science behind low pressure, high pressure, why wind moves the way it does. But the point of this is not to just understand wind. You can't see it. 
Even if you know how it works, you still can't see it. There's a mystery to it. And that's how it is with life in the Spirit. God says, you're not going to fully understand all this, but God himself wants to dwell in your heart. And he does by faith if we're born again. So Jesus' point is that it's unseen, but it's real. We get to bear witness to the reality of the kingdom of God at work within us if we know him and the Spirit dwells in us. Two more questions for discussion, then we're going to wrap this up. First question is this, in what ways does your life current reflect the kingdom of God? And if anyone wants to be super vulnerable, in what ways does it not? Can you think of some ways that maybe your life is a reflection of an unseen spiritual reality like the wind? How is your life reflecting the kingdom? How about the second one? In what ways is it not? Josh, I would say that reflecting the kingdom, I mean, an open table or like having like a movie night or something like that, I feel like, you know, all are welcome. It's inviting. It's safe. It's, yeah. you know, community. I feel like that's, that's a good yeah, so yeah, he said, you know, just being hospitable, welcoming people into your home, like with an open table type of thing or a movie night or loving people who maybe aren't loved. Maybe they don't have friends. Maybe they don't have community around them. But extending that to them is showing them what the kingdom is like, showing them what the family is like. People don't just naturally do that. Most people have an agenda. They have a reason of like, how does this benefit me? But for someone to just be a blessing the people that live around them, that's different. That's noticeable. It's like the wind. Anybody else? Think of a way that your life maybe currently reflects the kingdom of God or maybe doesn't so much? In the back? So just being friendly to people who are new to the neighborhood. But yeah, I mean, just being hospitable, showing love and kindness, those are Those are fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all those things people notice. So the second question, can you think of a time that someone noticed evidence of the Spirit in you and what did they say? You think of a story where somebody's like, man, there's something different about that guy or or her. Maybe an example of that, can you think of that? That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, so she had an opportunity to, to show her sister that God provided through prayer. It wasn't just Bridget yeah. taking things or, yeah. I don't have to really draw things to myself. Yeah. You don't have a magic wand? No. We can do things without ulterior motive. You know, we're going to give you, you got to give back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty big. You know, people, most people always want something in return, but giving without any expectation really reflects the heart of God because what can we give God that he doesn't already have? And that reflects the spirit in us, right? Yeah. I had a friend that texted me a message 
who is a, an atheist, and he texted me and said, he's, he was a co-worker of mine, and he said that um, I'm someone he has always known that I have loved him, and, I, and he has never doubted that, ever. Mm. And that's, that's a really big deal for him, and he's just always considered that to be special about me. Yeah, so a friend who's an atheist texted her and said, hey, you're, you've always loved me no matter what. That's, that's pretty big. That's unconditional love. That reflects the heart of God. People take notice of that. That's not normal. Most people have strings attached to everything. So Jesus came to establish his kingdom in the hearts of people. Nicodemus came to Jesus late at night. Jesus, help me out. What do I need to do to be a part of your kingdom? You seem like you know some stuff. You're cool. You do miracles. Jesus said, hey, Nicodemus, you're not getting in unless your heart changes. It's not about all the outside stuff. It's not about religion. He said, your need is for a relationship with me, for your heart to come alive, for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in here. That's going to change everything, Nicodemus. It changes you from the inside out. It's transformation. And that need that Nicodemus had is our need. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We all need Jesus. He says, trust me. Jesus says, trust me, and I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new start. It doesn't mean that when we become a Christian that life is easy, that life is perfect. That is not true. But what the guarantee is that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will walk with you. I will give you peace amidst hard times. I will give you joy even when life is hard. And that's pretty awesome. See, life in the kingdom is good. It's good news. Do you believe that today? That life in the kingdom is actually good? It's dynamic? Maybe if you um, have been a Christian a while or been around church for a while and you don't feel that way, Maybe you're a bit like Nicodemus where it's become more of a religious duty. It's become more about, hey, God, I'm going to do things for you, and then you owe me. God, I'm going I'm to be a good person, and then you're going to bless me. That's transactional. That's, that's not the way God operates. He says, no, I want to give you a new heart. I want to give you relationship with me, and that will transform you from the inside out. Then you find the joy and the peace and the things that you're really looking for. And we don't just belong to the kingdom, we represent it. If you're a Christian, you are a walking, living, breathing advertisement for the kingdom. We're a foretaste of what is to come. So people are around the church. The church represents the heart of God. The church represents the family, the kingdom that extends on into eternity. Are we, are we reflecting that well? Or maybe we're not. Maybe, maybe we're lacking some love. Maybe we're lacking some grace, some kindness. We just need to spend some time with Jesus getting to know his heart again because we drift back to selfishness, don't we? See, being a part of the kingdom is the invitation for all of us. I mentioned that crossroads. The reality is we're walking down this path and we, we have a choice to make. Just like Nicodemus, will we be born again? Will we receive what God says, the truth of the gospel? Or will we reject it and say, no, I'm good. I'm gonna go on my own path. The only problem is that other path leads to eternal destruction, pain, separation from God. And that's the path we're all on until we choose Jesus. The invitation is for all of us. He says, come to me. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so the invitation for Nicodemus to be born again is the invitation for us. So I leave you with the question, have you been born again? Do you know the Spirit lives in your heart by faith? 
because of what Jesus has done for you. It's good news for all of us. And there's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to improve on it. It's a gift. So let's thank God for that this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for Nicodemus, for his honesty, his struggle of just saying, what does it mean to be born again? How, how can I become a baby again? And, and he didn't fully understand the spiritual reality of what you were speaking about. But Jesus, you explained it and you said, yeah, it's a mystery. It's like the wind. We don't fully understand it. But the truth is that if we come to you in faith, Lord, that you want to give us a new heart. You want to give us a new life, a life of transformation. It's not just about cleaning up the outside, but it's about changing the way we think, the way we feel, and the way that we relate to you and to others. So thank you for that promise of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you that you live in us if we know Jesus by faith. And Lord, let us reflect you well to the people around us. Let us give a foretaste of this kingdom life not, not being salesmen for religion. Not trying to peddle some different version of the gospel, but Lord, just showing grace, showing kindness, showing love. That's who we want to be, Lord. That's who we get to be. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Josh left us with a few takeaways from today's service. Nicodemus' need. Jesus tells him what he needs. He needs to be born again. Religion promises to give life, but it's never enough. It ends up demanding our life. No matter where you are today, we all need help. From death to life. Jesus was telling Nicodemus, you have to move from death to life. It's a spiritual birth. Life in the spirit. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Their lives were a witness to the unseen reality. Discussion Questions Why is it hard for some people to understand the concept of being born again? How do you know that God has given you a new heart? In what ways does your life currently reflect the kingdom of God? In what ways does it not? Can you think of a time that someone noticed evidence of the Holy Spirit in you? What did they say? Have you been born again? What is keeping you from doing so? Thanks again for listening, Missio family, and we'll see you again next week.